Hello everybody and welcome to episode 72 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and once again, back beside me, as always, is... I shall obey, see? No, Roger Delgado, you're not Roger Delgado. I've got the beard going on, though. You have, you've got a very similar beard. You will obey. You just need to throw a bit more grey into it. (laughs) Oh, that'll come probably next year. Uh, Probably probably after Christmas time more than anything, to be honest, with the Christmas stress. Oh, whoopee, thanks. But yes, who are you? I am Chris Vint. And you will obey. You will obey. You will obey the Chris Vint. No, not really. Um, Nobody ever does, to be honest <laughs> with you. Doctor Who, Kampf um die Erd. Whatever he says. <laughs> but uh, yes, moving on. Uh, welcome to episode 72 of Retroshock, but episode 5 of our 11 episodes dedicated to each individual man to portray the Doctor. That is, of course, number 5, meaning... Peter Davison, my favourite classical doctor. Yay! Whoop, whoop. That's that's really enthusiastic. Thank you, Chris. Sorry, I was trying to find my factoid for this episode. Your factoid? Yes, because I have my... Well, on my lap, because it's that heavy. Is In your Doctor possession. Doctor Who the Vault, Treasures from the First 50 Years, um, which is actually quite a compendium, if I do say so myself. It's a lot of paper. Look at that, 50p. The only thing is, is that as, unlike the Transformers one, there's no things... Um, to pull out yeah you know the way the Transformers have can we not get like a commemorative programme for when we go to see it in the cinema the 50th it'll probably be a fiver instead of 50p I think it might be a bit more than a fiver to be honest considering how much the tickets were I know 13 quid 13 pounds everybody to go and see the 50th anniversary in Odeon cinemas in Belfast it's I know Odeon's usually generally dear but 13 pounds is crazy I know when you can go and sit at home but it's going to be the experience more than anything yes exactly it's going to be sitting in a cinema with what probably about a hundred plus people who are Doctor Who fans which I think is going to be pretty epic as long as I sit down and shut up as Brock Lesnar said (laughs) sit down and shut up and you have no excuses to be run away mid movie because it's only going to be just over an hour and a bit oh I'll not be run away anywhere because they'll be like I'm I'm watching I have to stay here I have to watch everything I shall obey (laughs) you shall obey I'll just look at my bladder and just say you shall obey you shall explode before I leave the seat exactly that's a sign it's totally dodgy but anyway moving on but maybe it will be that good that I will explode you will explode I will with explode with happy, happiness or anger oh my depending. god well you may explode with happiness when oh Tim appears god. on screen stop it I was going to say that I'm, going to have, I'm not going to say what you're thinking I'm not thinking anything I was genuinely meaning you would just explode blood and guts everywhere oh uh, thank god you meant that not something else See, that just shows you your dirty mind. <laughs> anyway, shall we get back on subject? This is a great way to start your favourite doctor, isn't, isn't it? Just, to explain. It wouldn't be my per, my specific episode if it didn't go random. No, no. But yes, everybody, it's Peter Davison's dedicated episode here on Retroshock in our run-up to the 50th anniversary. And the episode, well, story that we're going to focus on in regards to Peter Davison's fifth doctor is Earthshock. So we have the Cybermen. Yes, we do. Um, we were going to go for the Caves of Adrazani, but then we thought that's what people are going to expect from us, so we thought we'd show it for you. little curved cricket ball, see what it did there? Oh, spin. Spin of the cricket ball. Yes, that's right. Yes, you're very smart. I like what you did there. Thanks. You you will get a high five later. Whoa! <laughs> Things are really coming up, Chris. Oh dear. But yes, we're going to talk about Earthshock. We're going to take a quick run through of all the different episodes, all the different things that uh, occur in the episodes. So we'll start things straight off with part one, which yep, it, it starts out uh, with uh, Adric being very... I've had another word down on my page, so I'm going to try and keep it a wee bit cleaner. But let's just say he was being 
the way a teenager would act. Oh, he would be very that. moody and very kind of uppity and so in, you know, into the doctor's face. He believes that he does not get as much respect uh, in the TARDIS crew <coughs> as Nissa and Tegan. Oh, probably bowl cut man. So in other words, he doesn't feel that the doctor loves him as much as the others. Which, you know, calm yourself down, son. But uh, basically as a result of all this, he decides um, that he wishes to return home. Oh. That he no longer wishes to travel with the doctor. I don't think. I think if I was a doctor and he told me that he wanted to go home, I don't think that the TARDIS could go fast mm-hmm. enough. But Say, the doctor get out now. But the doctor basically explains that that is not possible and will not be occurring. And Adric is basically like, "Well, I will find a way." Okay. Being the way Adric is, but we move along and uh, we see down on uh, well, we'll call it planet side. Um, there's various troopers floating about and let's just say certain people start to get killed oh dear um, and the doctor makes his way onto the planet and gets discovered and accused of being the murderer of these troopers because he appears on their scanners they see the double heartbeat they think right this has to be the person responsible for the deaths mm-hmm. so he gets accused of uh, being the murderer but we go on and androids come and basically uh, start to attack and at the same time the troopers who have been hearing this sort of noise realize that these androids are the result of the noise so that in fact it is not the doctor mm-hmm. who is the man responsible for these murders it is in fact the androids dun dun but uh, obviously that clears the doctor of um, being a murderer but uh, what we get up into the lead up into the end of this episode is that we see that the androids are in fact beaming footage back to their masters their masters of course being the Cybermen so this footage reveals to the Cybermen that the doctor is here and specifically to the cyber leader okay well obviously this is probably i can't remember if we had the cyberman i think this was the first time we'd seen the cyberman in quite a number of years yes because um john nathan turner's era brought back a lot of old yeah because in Pertwee we had the cyberman we had cyberman um obviously we saw it in the five doctors um i don't think we saw it in bakers so for you um was this the first story that you'd seen with the Cybermen, apart from the new... Uh, sorry, would this be the first older school yes. Cybermen story? Yes, I know where you're going. Yeah. Um, but yes, it would definitely be the first older school Doctor Who episode that I have seen the uh, Cybermen in, because they're, this was their return after so many years' absence, and... It's kind of nice for me being a Davidson fan to see that this is where they you know they bring them back uh-huh. that they come back opposite um, my favorite classical doctor and it is you know with this first episode of the story you only get a sort of glimpse you don't get the whole you know sort of package here you, yeah. only, you only really see them observing this footage of the doctor so it is a nice teaser and it's a good end of that first episode but um, one thing I'm, I'm going to talk about is, and I'm going to ask you about it as well, is was it a surprise, do you think, to see, you know, if you compare the newer Cybermen? I'm not going to talk about the Matt Smith ones, because when I first saw this, it was the um, Tenant era yeah. Cybermen I'd seen. Yeah. 
was it the same sort of thing as what we were saying about with uh, in the Baker thing with the robot <coughs> when we saw it in real life the robot looked a lot better but in the aged stuff it didn't look as good what did we think of when we went to the Doctor Who experience when we actually saw the older style Cybermen up against the newer ones I like the progression of you know like how you saw them Evolved, the way they like, had it set up was very nice. You know, I like the fact that you saw and you heard like the the music kind of the you know like yeah the, um, music in the background. So I like to see how it evolved, but um, you know like obviously in Tomb of the Cybermen with um, Patrick Triton, yes, it sounded like you know like obviously we are Cybermen. You know like it sounded like they had a voice box almost. Mm-hmm. You know like that's how they got the mechanical voice across. Whereas these ones are quite different. Yeah, but the only thing I don't really like on in like the tenant one, like I would say the age is still a two parter. I just find it very mundane, and I find that the mm-hmm. Cybermen are probably one of my favorite classical villains. But in the new era, I don't like them as much. I would a hundred percent agree with you. There's just for me when it comes to modern Cybermen, there hasn't been that total standout episode yeah. for them as yet. Whereas the Daleks, I think, in New Who have had a couple of, you know, really standout episodes in regards to them. Now, there's been a few horror shows. Yeah, like, like Daleks in Manhattan. Did, yeah, I took the words right Yeah, I, I knew where you were going, so I just <laughs> went straight at the past. Big boy. Um, whereas, but they have had a good few episodes that have been really, really good. You know, we'll talk about it when we get to Eccleston, you know, his time. You know, the Daleks were a key part of his series, his, his return to Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And their first story was fantastic and you know the return to new who but uh, anyway getting back to case in point um these cybermen are extremely different to not only cybermen that it came before yeah but cybermen that we would see in the likes of tenons because specifically the ones in earthshock we saw with the likes of the cyber leader you could actually see that they were using body parts yes in the cybermen you could actually see the mouth very much like in well very much like in earlier some Taran ones, you can kind of see the mouth, and then yeah. obviously as we progress, then we don't, you know, like you don't see the mouth or anything. Um, so I can I can see what you mean there um, with that. Um, but I like the fact that obviously we go more mechanical, you know, yeah. like it gets more mechanical. But um, sorry, my nephew's just laughing, dresses sweaty Optimus Prime, so he says. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do agree with you that you know. In Davison's era, I think that was probably the more quintessential. You know, like even on the yeah. front cover, you know, like they're they're very very threatening. Looking, they are ominous looking, know, yeah, so. definitely. And uh, anyway, we'll move on to part two of Earthshock, and uh, kind of the main thing that we get at the start is that uh, Adric uh, eventually he leaves the TARDIS because um, he wants to see there's the TARDIS is you know picking up a signal, it's receiving a signal, so he decides that he's going to leave the TARDIS to investigate see what's going on and as a result he ends up providing a distraction and the troopers end up destroying the androids so we realize that the signal is actually being transmitted to whatever is within this hatch that has been discovered mm-hmm. so what do you think could possibly be in the hatch could it be a nice present could it be something for it's never something nice so it's going to be something nasty it's going but to be like a bomb or something <laughs> the doctor and adric then eventually use they use the tardis to kind of block out the transmission and they head back to the hatch. The doctor brings like his own sort of e toolbox with him, and he opens the hatch and it reveals that surprise, surprise, it's not something nice. It's a bomb. Oh, right. So it is. Um, and in trying to um, 
let's just say make the bomb safe the doctor accidentally causes it to activate and then manages to deactivate it so we had a wee bit of a heart pumping moment there for the fifth doctor and that heart's pumping moment the heart's pumping moment yes uh-huh. well done there chris thanks you're very very welcome but um this leads to us seeing the cybermen there they get really confused why is this bomb not exploded um so this leads us then to seeing a freighter up in space which the doctor and adric end up going up and exploring and they discover two dead bodies okay and again this once again leads to the doctor being discovered and accused of being a murderer so <laughs> we're only at the end of the second episode of this story he's and he's been accused of being a murderer, murderer twice, twice. Yeah. so he's not having the best of days he really is, is not. the fifth doctor at no, all he is not but uh in part three um this is where it all really starts to properly properly kick off when it comes um to this story because we see the cyber leader decided <coughs> to mobilize uh, a unit of cybermen in order to take over the ship so the captain orders a blockade of the bridge and the doctor being the way the doctor is explains to him this is going to be no good you know your you know your colleagues your crewmen they're going to get basically taken out by the cybermen they will stand not a single chance at all but uh, of course the captain of the freighter takes no heed and the cybermen have the upper hand but in the long run here the doctor manages to lock down the bridge before any cybermen can actually get inside um, after they are betrayed by one of their crewmen Mm -hmm. so this then ends up that uh, the captain thinks Oz you know there's no real problem here yes you know a few of my crew got taken out but you know there's only a few cybermen on board you know we can handle a few cybermen and then and then the realization occurs that in fact that all of their cargo is effectively cybermen there's 15,000 containers of cargo on the ship Eek. so what means there's a lot more cybermen on board than they more than initially three, think yep. a lot more than a few but a cyberman actually ends up breaking through onto the bridge but as um, they're breaking through the doorway the doctor uses some sort of what is it he uses I think it's like an antimatter storage system or something which leads to trapping the Cyberman within the door. So it's kind of like stuck with its hand out. Oh no. And it can't go anywhere. But um, the Cybermen, this doesn't stop them. They break through onto the bridge via explosions. Yes, that's a really freaky <laughs> Cyberman that you're showing me there in your book. But they explode their way onto the bridge and the Cyber Leader basically uh, leads to the killing of the turncoat the uh, person who had betrayed the crew and the doctor jokes why are you showing me a freaky picture of Pertway? I'm not I'm looking through to try and find this thing I was talking about in the previous episode but um, the doctor jokes once this crew member has been killed he says and I think this is a kind of a great wee line from Davison's doctor is you never change always the perfect host sorry perfect guest mm-hmm and I think that is quite funny because it's basically saying, you know, I know the history of what you're like. You've never changed. You know, and you never will change. But uh, that cliffhanger for episode three, part three of the tale, is that we see 
the Cybermen down in the cargo hold all being revived and marching about. So basically, things are looking quite bleak. Especially for the Doctor, he's only got like so they are one person exactly. But what I'm going to say before we move on to the final part of this episode is that could you imagine as a kid watching this episode? Mm. This episode would be very, very. I would think very, very freaky for a younger kid to watch. Yeah, I think especially this episode. I think with with the threat as well, the fact that you don't just have you know like say a small platoon, but you have like a couple of thousand. Yeah. potentially going against the doctor and the doctor doesn't run away from trouble yes. so it's either going to be a case of the doctor's either going to A meet his grizzly end or B find a way out of it and you're just hoping that he's going to find a way out mm-hmm. of it you know um, but, as a, but as a cliffhanger if you were watching this as a kid you would just be like there is thousands and thousands of Cybermen now free on this ship how is the doctor going to get out of it which is, you know, it's a nice twist, you know, as you know, we've been saying, it's the effective return of the Cybermen, so he has to be uh, up against the wall in some way. But uh, the Cybermen end up setting the ship on a collision course with the Earth in order to kill. Um, it's like a powerful group of galactic politicians or something are getting together because they're going to, like, uh, you know, they're having a conference to kind of work out their differences in order to fight the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. So their initial plan, the Cybermen were just going to bomb, I say just going to bomb, <laughs> um, this conference in order to kill them so that you know, there was no rising up to fight the Cybermen. Yeah. But um, it's explained by the Cyber Leader that uh, because of the Doctor's meddling interference that the plan has had to change, which is as a result they're going to crash the ship into the conference. As they say, it will be as effective as the original bomb they planned. So, nice wee present going their way. That's very similar to the, one of the Pertwee ones because there was a. What? I can't. Re- I honestly can't remember. But it was basically to do with the Daleks. It was Day of the Daleks or Death of the Daleks, one or the other. And they were going to blow it up. Um, but they said some politician blew them up. Mm-hmm. But it turned out, you know, like Pertwee's in their alternative universe, and then he's figuring out that it wasn't him. The other guy did it, and then they think that it's him, so they're going back to try and kill him. Um, yeah. So it's a kind of the same, you know, like they're they were altering history mm-hmm. um, that way. So I can, you know, like it's good that uh, they've, that they've done it that way. Yeah. yeah. But um, <clears throat> Tegan has been with the troopers that had initially accused the doctor of being a murderer at the uh, start of the story. But um, oh, it's truth, mate. I know it's truth. Um, get back to my airline. A few more deaths occur, and eventually Tegan is taken to the bridge. Oh, um, and the cyber leader um, basically uh, decides that he is going to kill Tegan. And he notes that he notes the doctor's reaction and the doctor's like emotional attachment to Tegan. Mm-hmm. And basically, he says that you know emotions must be such a severe handicap to you, doctor. And the doctor comes back with it, and again, I think it's a perfect line. Very much like, what's it in? That's quoted with there's something else. A, a, a Dalek quotes that I think Dalek or a Cyberman in a, in one of the newer ones mm-hmm. says to him about you know like getting rid of the emotion, and it says like I think it's whenever 
I can't remember what episode is in, but he says. But you are get, right. I think he there says is. he gets rid of the emotion. So then maybe that's a throwback. Yeah, to that. To as that. Well. But I think you know after the comment of you know emotions must be a severe handicap to you, doctor. The doctor ends up replying with another great line. I think in this story, which is emotions are what make life worth living mm-hmm. and, I, and that's that for me is such a Davison Doctor line that is just that sums up the style of Doctor that he is he's very he understands and he embraces emotion whereas some Doctors maybe haven't in the past mm-hmm. and maybe in the future as well as you know, we'll no doubt uh, eventually discuss but um, as we said there's the threat to kill Tegan and the Doctor jumps in front of her to try and save her and stuff like that but uh, the captain of the ship Briggs wants to abandon the ship but uh, you know Adric's off on his own and uh, Adric tells her that uh, you know with his you know with his superior intelligence that uh, he might in fact be able to save the ship and override the device controlling the actual computer that's causing it to go on the collision course but um, Berger one of the other uh, members of the crew like brings the ship out of warp. I know there's a warp reference in Doctor Who. Everybody, don't get your knickers in a twist. Um, but this actually causes some weird sort of an effect in that it goes into like a time warp, which throws the ship back. I think it's like sixty-five million years in the past. Oh, I can't help that. So basically, back to the time of the dinosaurs. <laughs> and as a result, um, you know, Tegan's all relieved because she thinks, oh, you know, we've saved the day. You know, the ship's going to be all right. Yeah. And the doctor's like, well, no, we actually aren't all right because, um, you know, the ships now went back in time, and if it collides with the Earth, the Earth could still be destroyed, and the whole of its future could. I think he describes it as it could be nullified, mm-hmm. as in it just won't occur. Yeah. So, in other words, yeah, things aren't any better than they have been, but the doctor has ended up with the cyber leader and Tegan and all back in the TARDIS and there's kind of a confrontation the Cyberman fires his gun in the TARDIS and the Doctor manages to you know get the upper hand in this thing but he the Doctor eventually ends up shooting the cyber leader alright so he does which I completely forgot about yeah which is a big thing that the Doctor tends to not really do um but then we see the fact that Adric is still on the ship trying to prevent this you know, disaster that will wipe out effectively the entire future of Earth. Um, Cyberman sneaks up behind him, tries to shoot him and hits the controls, thus meaning that the ship can no longer be taken out of autopilot. And it's a case of... Um, it means that it will go boom boom uh, with Adric, but he manages to as a result save the day but uh, the doctor during this whole time frame has been trying to save him yes but because of the shot from the Cyberman the TARDIS is too damaged so as a result he cannot save Adric from his impending doom and the (coughs) big thing that kind of stands out from this is they kind of end the episode as if almost the actor had died it's all very solemn it's all very quiet and you see I think it's you know Adric Star. Yes. It's like shattered. Yeah. And that's the way the episode ends. So it's almost like they're you know because it was such a shock at this time period, and you see it, and I think it's is it I think is it Noel Clark on that sort of you know 
um, the episodes that have been airing about you know specifically about the doctors mm-hmm. that he says that this was such a shock and it made him think for the, one of the first times think as a child about death yeah you know that nobody is safe and how and you can see it emotionally the actors do so well in it to actually portray the sadness that's like Davison's kind of face is just like he's mortified because he was not able to save one of his companions basically mm-hmm. yeah but that's that's where the episode ends but uh, before we start to compare companions or anything like that or you know compare Davison in the grand scheme of things I think an interesting wee fact to say about Earthshock is that Earthshock is the only serial uh, during uh, John Nathan Turner's producership of the show where every single episode of the story was actually in the top 50 rated programs on British television at the time so I, I don't know about you but that's that was quite a shock to me when I found out that actual fact I think as well you got to remember that a lot of the older ones were not four parts they were maybe seven or eight parts mm-hmm. so I can understand that fact but maybe you know like with say Colin Baker you'll get like some four things yeah. and then obviously with with Colin Baker you get like the like that trial of a time lord which was just a season which was like 13 episodes and it was just like a huge story arc mm-hmm. um, but you know that's just kudos to the writing and the the acting and plus I think the part, fact that part maybe, of it might be the fact that it's the Cybermen have come um, back as plus well plus the fact that maybe people were fans of it and wanted to see Adric die oh you're so cruel so maybe it was just like we need to see him die. We need to see yeah. him die. But maybe the thing maybe is, people wouldn't have known he was going to die. That's yeah, the exactly. Thing. You know, you know. Whereas nowadays we'd have known, oh, such and such is leaving the role, like it was with Amy and Rory with Matt Smith. Yeah. We all knew, oh, at the end of the series they're leaving, so they're going to be, you know, you know, f- some way put out of the show. Um, whereas back then there was no Twitter, there was no internet or anything like that that kick off that. You would have just had that maybe in the press, but that would have been it. Yeah. So you could have avoided that if you wanted to. God, everything everything was a lot easier to avoid. Although that's one thing about Doctor Who is that you know, like, fair enough, you get like, oh, here's what's coming up in the next week's episode, or, but you don't get a lot of spoiler stuff because no. with the fiftieth anniversary thing, they're being very very good with and with the, the only the only th- things I've seen from the fiftieth are a small handful of set pictures which have leaked out, which are the likes of the ones I sent you where you saw. Smith and Tennant together outside the TARDIS TARDIS. it's been very well kept yeah and that's what you need in this day and age Um, but that would be great that would be I would love to do that you know like just try and watch I mean it would be impossible to do now to try and watch a series of Doctor Who or a story of Doctor Who and um, try not Not to have any spoilers of it because you wouldn't be able to go on Facebook or Twitter I, I try so hard so I do to try and not try and see as little as possible mm-hmm. and it's it is so hard to just avoid something more so by accidents happening and yeah. people have posted stuff and you're yeah. just like Ugh. but that's for modern discussion anyway but um oh. okay we all know that davison is my favorite doctors uh, you know when it comes to the classic doctors that is a given but you were saying in the last episode when we were talking about baker that you consider the likes of Davison and Pertwee to kind of be the kind of slight next level down from him. Yes. Why do you think that, you know, besides some people's reservations about other doctors, that they, them two specifically, you know, focusing on Davison, 
can be considered up there with Baker? I think it's because Davison was the youngest doctor mm-hmm. that we'd had, obviously with his cricket gear as well. Um, and the fact that you had, you know, you had like a... It's the first time you'd seen like obviously in Hartnell's you'd seen like a young girl you know like in his and you know like in his granddaughter yes and then obviously in this one you, you know like you've got Adric who's a very young boy mm-hmm. um, that you haven't seen you know like any other in any other stage but I think it's because he kind of grabbed it by its horns and ran with it you know obviously Tom Baker as we've said is like the most popular doctor um, far and wide. But then to fill his shoes and then to go a different route, you know, like it's not a case of he's just went right. Well, this is what worked for Baker. It's a case of he's went right. This is what I need to do for me. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a case of he is very caring, like all the doctors are. But he's he's very he's very brash, you yes. know, like and he does come along very, you know, like very youthfulness. And it's a case of you know, in the five doctors, whenever he's been kind of taken by Rassalong and then the the three doctors Hartnell, Pertwee and um, Triton are standing there going like fight it young man and then they come over dust and, and you know like you could see that how thankful they are and they're looking at him going like oh a younger one you know like kind of this is great Yeah. but I just think that he because of his main um people knew him from um All Creatures Great and Small mm-hmm. that he was kind of not typecast but that they were kind of wondering how is this going to be like Tristan Farnan just with a bit more edge yeah and they were kind of pleasantly surprised yeah, by that that's, uh, that's that's what I was about to say was that could it be partially down to that fact that in comparison to you know especially certain people who have played the role he was probably one of the far better known actors to take on the role at his time of taking the role yeah because of all creatures great and small and all he was an extremely popular actor on British television at that time he was probably just kind of the headliner effectively of most you know the TV at that time Mm -hmm. you always have sort of a main guy that you see on TV shows especially well more so with the BBC than anything he was kind of the guy of the times and it's maybe a case of that has helped in the fact that it has um, you know carried over into his time as the Doctor but also I think maybe what helps him is that I've spoke to a lot of people as well who have watched modern Doctor Who that have always really really enjoyed his stories and I think maybe it's possible because he can almost be associated as one of the most modern style of Doctors because of the likes of you know the way you're saying he was a young Doctor so you immediately compared him to Tennant Mm -hmm. because Tennant when he came in became the youngest one to take on the role and then eventually we got Matt Smith so, you know, family connections aside, when it comes to the Ten Davison family, I think that all also relates to its audience because, you know, like in the eighties, you would have got like, um, you know, like around obviously with science fiction and Star Wars being at the height of its you know fandom with the likes of Empire Strikes Back and then obviously in eighty three you have Return of the Jedi, you know, like so whenever he came into it, then you would have had a case of science fiction is very very popular and you put him in it and then that 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 for me refines more with its younger demographic than maybe 
a guy with a long scarf or a guy who's wearing a cravat wants yes. a cravat or a guy who you know is in black and white you know so that could be why um, but also while I was reading this here it said like in 1987 BBC video moved its focus onto the fast selling growing sell through market aiming VHS titles directly at customers so they were priced at like 9.99, which came like compilation version of Death of the Daleks available for July and it became the most successful Doctor Who video ever spending 11 weeks in the retail chart and sending more than 50,000 copies so you know that's around the 80s is whenever VHS's started coming in you know like fair enough he was in it from what 83 mm. and, and then obviously the five doctors was that was his time that was a big deal like. you know, so that's a big deal because then you're having he's the main he's the main doctor and then you have all these other ones playing a bit part yeah so he effectively was in the position Matt Smith is for yes. you know this month basically yeah. that um, he got the privilege of being the main guy for the anniversary with others coming back yeah to the show so I think that's that isn't kind of the way I'm saying about it was nice to have him as the doctor for where the Cybermen came back but it's also nice to the fact that my favourite classical doctor was the guy for that specific anniversary and the only time. one as well who has appeared with one of the modern day yep. doctors as well this is true because no other doctor well fair enough the first three sadly are no longer with us yes. and you know he was the only one who like obviously we've had time crash which if you haven't seen that look that up it's 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 so short but it is one of the best wee pieces of fan service that put it this any way, Doctor Who fan will ever have put it this way go ahead and watch Time Crash and then go ahead and immediately after that watch the train wreck that is Dimensions in Time and you'll see what I mean and see how the two of them compare but yeah that's obviously you know like Tennant and Davison so it's a case of like um like whenever Tennant worked with Sarah Jane and with Elizabeth Sladen that was from his childhood and Davison was from his childhood as well so he was getting the ultimate fanboy experience mm -hmm. because like, he, break, he effectively breaks the fourth wall and goes you know you were my doctor yeah so it's a case of you know and the whole he explains the specs and all that sort of stuff the thinking specs that because Davison's doctor had them as well so Tennant was like I'll have them as well so the fifth doctor does have quite a prominent part in uh, Doctor Who history is uh, a nice few things to his uh, well you could call it his Doctor Who CV yes in that aspect I would say so but um, right before we round this up companions we've got a few different companions now we've got multiple companions mm -hmm. in comparison to what we had in Robot with, with Mr. Baker yeah um, we had specifically Sarah Jane and the Brig mm -hmm. as our main guys with Baker <coughs> what do we think in comparison to the likes of you know Tegan and Adric and Nissa. Well, it's a, for very, me, it's a very different lot of people. For me, Adric would by far be my worst companion. Yes. Um, Mainly because he's the, sort of the moody child. Tegan, Tegan is very different um, because she's very, you know, we're like, oh, Doctor, can we do this? Or Doctor, can we do that? And she always wanted to go home as well, whereas Nissa was. I think it's fair to say that Nissa would be the most um, scientifically um, knowledgeable out of all the companions thus far because she knows kind of how to pilot the TARDIS. Yes. Because he'll say, you know, like do this and do that, and she knows what to do, and 
you know, um, and things like that. So, out of all of them, I would say Nissa would be my most favourite one. Out of the group, yeah, I'd agree. But unfortunately, um, Sarah Jane just wipes the board. But even if you were to put all yeah. three of them together, oh, no, totally, Sarah Jane would just be, you know, like out there. You know, but Nissa definitely for me is the better of the that Tardis crew. Um, I just preferred Sarah it whenever Jane it was just. I just preferred it whenever it was Nissa and Tegan. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Adric and Turlo to a point. I didn't really enjoy his betra- not his betrayal, but I didn't understand the character because here's a guy who's going to kill the doctor, and then I end up going on the you know like traveling with him, yeah. and he's always wearing that. Uh, one thing that annoyed me was his tie, and his collar was never over his tie. <laughs> I don't know why that annoyed me. OCD. Yeah. Um. But Tegan and Nissa. Um, the likes of um, the likes of Time Flight, which has those two in it. Yeah, I quite liked. What was the one to do with the leper ship? Modern Undead. No, sorry, not the leper ship. Sorry, Modern Undead was completely something else. Right, there was that one there, which I enjoyed, and then there was one after that, which I can't remember, um, which I enjoyed as well, um, which had those two, and then obviously Nissa says her goodbyes. So. Aye, that's that's. I remember that one that saw that that was actually quite a sad set of episodes like because mm-hmm. you know again that's sort of something that's been taken out of not only the doctor's hands but her hands yeah yeah but yeah i would say that you know like obviously davison's a competent doctor but i think in terms of companions i think davison maybe davison, the short end of the stick no 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 in Co- terms of adric no 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 he didn't get the short end of the stick because in my opinion i think that the next doctor got the Mm, see, this is going to be interesting now. We're going to get into a tasty sort of patch uh, when it comes to doctors, obviously, because um, you know that's our two favorite doctors are now out of the way. Mm-hmm. They're done. We're now getting into uncharted territory in terms of this sort of middle ground before we venture back towards New Who. Everybody, we have of course the sixth Doctor coming up next. Um, Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves, um, because it's a very different Doctor. Yep. It's a very different portrayal. And uh, needless to say, um, I think it took people quite a while to get used to him. I think some people still haven't got used to him, do you? Yes. He was a very different Doctor. But uh, we shall leave that indeed for a few days' time in our next episode. So make sure to join us then. Um, But... That's going to do us for today. As always, I've been Alan Price. He has been Chris Vint. And uh, we bid you a fond farewell and see you in a few days' time.